Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Let's take just a few minutes to talk about some of the catalysts that we read about in Scripture for repentance. We'll just take a brief time this evening, but as I've been thinking about repentance and our great escape that we're studying about this month, the month of December, I've thought a lot about some of the things that might occur within our lifetimes that will be prompters or catalysts for repentance. Repentance, as we talked about, is probably the hardest part of God's plan of salvation, of his escape route in the first place. And sometimes we think about baptism as being the hardest part because it's the part that the whole world struggles with, the necessity of baptism for the washing away, Acts twenty two sixteen of sins, or the forgiveness of sins, Acts two thirty eight. We read in so many places about the importance of baptism for the actual cleansing But no one's going to ever be baptized for the cleansing from sin without realizing that we have sin, first of all, and that without turning from that sin, there remains no hope for our forgiveness. Luke 13, verses 3 and 10, there is no forgiveness without our repentance. And repentance is tough because it means an humbling before God, a submitting before God, a deciding that I am not right about everything and that God's will is the right way, the way to eternal life. It is deciding that I can put down the things that have entertained me, the things that have comforted me, the things that have uh, giving me this world's security, I can I can turn my back on those, and put God's will in the supreme place in my life. That is the changing of the mind that results in a change of life. That is repentance, and that's the hardest thing to do towards salvation. So, what are some of the catalysts? in our world today, in our lives, what are some of the catalysts for repentance or the things that prompt us to submit our will, to give up our will and change our minds and decide that we are going to live for God? What are the catalysts for repentance? Well, the first one I thought of is a well-trained conscience. Sometimes as children who have godly parents, and uh, there are lots of women listening who grew up in godly homes, our conscience becomes our very best friend with regard to repentance because it's difficult for us to rebel, to decide that we're going to walk in a way that's opposite God's will without our conscience hurting us because our conscience has been trained, biblically trained by godly parents, and that godly training of conscience is a gift for our lifetime that helps us always following sin to repent, to take that necessary step to humble ourselves because our conscience hurts 
when we violate God's will. So a well-trained conscience, another way to say that is guilt, and sin does bring guilt to the conscience that's been well-trained. And so that's a prompter for our changing of the mind or repentance. The next one I thought about is that when we suffer sin's consequences, sometimes that wakes us up. I know that you can't think of Luke 15 and the prodigal son without thinking about the fact that he got to the pig pen. He lost all of his friends. He lost all of his money. He took a job that was just simply diabolical to a Jew, feeding the swine. Now, pigs were an unclean animal to the Jews. And here he was feeding pigs and wishing. It doesn't say that he ate the pig's food. It says he wished that he could eat the pig's food. So he suffered consequences in this life and, and many times sin brings ruin in this life. And it did to the prodigal son and it was only when he suffered those consequences that he was prompted to say, hey, there's gotta be a better way. I'm going to arise and go. He was walking one direction and the Bible says he came to himself in Luke 15, the moment of repentance, and changed his attitude toward the Father at home, representing God the Father. So sometimes it's the consequences of sin. We uh, studied about Jonah. We are studying about Jonah this month. And he suffered some, some grave consequences because he disobeyed God. He got on that ship to Tarshish rather than going to Nineveh. And he suffered some consequences. He ended up in the belly of a fish. And in Jonah chapter 2, we read about his, his change of heart, how that he uh, was wrapped, wrapped up in seaweed and in the darkest time, he turned to God in the darkest consequences of sin. He was prompted to repent. Sometimes it's just spiritual maturity. It's a slower process of repentance, but we grow to a point where we recognize that something that we did in the past was sinful, and we repent of that because we've grown spiritually since the time of that offense. I think about Joseph's brothers who sold him, and I kind of think about how that some years went by, and by the time they went down to Egypt and found out Joseph's identity as the second in command in the Egyptian palace, you know, when by the time they did that, they had matured a lot. And so they repented of the former ill that they had committed toward the former offense that they had committed toward Joseph. Sometimes spiritual maturity is a prompter for our repentance. Sometimes we repent because God's faithful people call us to repent. Uh, Jonah did that to Nineveh. By the time he got to Nineveh, he was a preacher of God's word, and he called them. He prophesied to them and called them to repent. We also studied about Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles this month, and, and Jehu. His call from God was the prompter for the repentance of King Jehoshaphat. Sometimes there are providential occurrences that call us to repentance. Sometimes God's providence is at work. 
Sometimes his providence was miraculous in the New Testament and it was at work in calling people to repent. I'm thinking of um, the Ethiopian eunuch, for instance, or Saul on the road to Damascus. There were some miraculous providential occurrences, but providence doesn't have to be miraculous. Providence can be the Romans 8, 28 principle, for instance. It could be any natural occurrence that is still ordered by God, but he accomplishes it through nature, and those providential occurrences call us to repentance. Rahab is an example of that. She needed to repent. She needed to turn from uh, not only uh, prostitution, but she needed to turn from being engulfed spiritually in a land of idolatry she needed to repent and those spies happened to knock on her door and she hid them on her roof and those providential occurrences ended up in uh, prompting her to act and react to the invasion of jericho in a way that was in line with God's plan. She put that scarlet thread in her window. She gathered her family into her house there at the beginning of the book of Joshua. So Rahab is an example of a providential occurrence calling for repentance. Sometimes death, and I'm gonna say brushes with death, sometimes when we when our lives are threatened, we decide if I get out of this, if I live through this, I'm going to serve God and we and and we do keep that commitment. That's repentance prompted by a brush with death and sometimes when our loved ones go through the valley of the shadow of death, we are actually are going through the valley of the shadow as our loved ones die and sometimes it teaches us lots of important lessons about the brevity of life, about the the um, impending judgment, about the certainty of that judgment. And sometimes then the death brushes with death on our own parts and then brushes, and then when our loved ones pass, it makes us think, and it makes us think soberly about what things in this life are really important. And so sometimes death is a repentance prompter Sometimes Bible study, just getting into the Word, of course the Word is going to call us to repentance. His grace teaches us that we should deny ungodliness and live soberly and righteously. So getting into the Word, just Bible study, is a, is a repentance prompter. I think about the book of Ezra and how that Ezra's public reading of the Word caused in the last chapter of that book, I believe it's Ezra chapter 10, call, called those people who were involved in those marriages that were rebellion against God to put away those wives and those children in Ezra chapter 10 because the word of the Lord was proclaimed. So Bible study is a prompter for repentance. And finally, the last one that I had was church is church discipline. 1 Corinthians 5, 2 Thessalonians 3, God calls his people to, as, as a body, as a congregation, to pull away fellowship. 
from the person who continues to live in rebellious sin. The, the purpose of that in 1 Corinthians 5 was twofold. Number one, it was to purify the church, to get the cancer of sin, the leaven of sin out of the body so that the body would be pure. And secondly, to call that sinner back to repentance, to shock that center, that sinner into repentance. Uh, so church discipline then is one of, is is a God prescribed New Testament call to repentance to the purification of the church and to the salvation of the lost soul. What I want to suggest to you tonight is that we should be thankful for all of these prompts to repentance. We should be thankful for the things in life that motivate us to think about the seriousness of sin and to turn from it, to decide I'm not going to walk that way anymore. I'm going to do an about face and walk a different direction, a God-led, Word-led direction. We should be thankful for those prompters. Do you find that some of those prompters make you mad? Maybe you get mad or discouraged or bitter when you're suffering sin's consequences. Take a new look. Thank God for those consequences that might cause you to rethink, to turn back toward God. Do you sometimes get angry at faithful people who ask you to repent? Take another look. God is giving you a gift through those faithful people to help you do the hardest part of the plan of salvation. The hardest part is to turn away from sin. What about uh, church discipline? I know some people who have become very angry at faithful elders who want to follow God's command from 1 Corinthians 5 and practice faithful church discipline. The withdrawal of the comforting fellowship. There are some folks who get very angry when that command is followed in our world today, you know what? We should be thankful for elders who would give us motivation, who would care enough about our souls to give us motivation to repent, no matter how difficult that work of motivating might be. So repentance prompters, a well-trained conscience, the suffering of sin's consequences, just growing spiritually, spiritual maturity, faithful people calling us to repentance, providential occurrences that give us a good chance to repent, brushes with death or the death of a loved one, Bible study, and finally, church discipline as described in the New Testament church in 1 Corinthians 5. Repentance prompters. Let's be thankful for them and let's be so grateful that God has given us an avenue through which we can repent and escape the consequences of sin. Thanks. If you find yourself in Huntsville, Alabama, we'd love for you to worship with us at West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest. Sunday morning worship begins at 9 a.m., followed by Bible classes for all ages. We meet again at 5 p.m. for evening worship and at 7 on Wednesday night.
Dig a Bit is a production of Digging Deep in God's Word, a Bible study for women. For more information, visit thecolleyhouse.org.